These are the folks who are going to a state capital and deciding whether to expand Medicaid or deciding whether there's one abortion clinic left in the state or deciding whether there's LGBTQ protections for folks on the job. It's wild that there aren't more eyes on it, but it's not the way we're trained. You're listening to Burnt Toast. This is the podcast where we talk about diet culture, fat phobia, parenting, and health. I'm Virginia Soul Smith, and I also write the Burnt Toast newsletter. And today I am chatting with Melissa Walker, who is the head of Giving Circles at The States Project. I know this is going to be a little bit of an unusual episode for you. You're used to me talking about diet culture and anti-fat bias. Those things are relevant. We get to it. But the reason I'm having Melissa on is because I am so excited that Burnt Toast is going to be running our own giving circle this year to raise money to help flip state legislatures in battleground states. As you guys know, this is a midterm year for Congress, but many state legislatures are up for grabs and are going to have a huge impact on really the entire future of democracy, as Melissa explains so well. So she's going to walk us all through it. I had to learn a lot in order to wrap my head around this. Some of you may know more than me. Some of you may be in the same boat. But if you have been thinking you are in a rage about the state of our country and you want to do something, I am hoping this will be the thing you decide is your something, because I think together we can have a really huge impact. So all I'm asking for is a small donation. The link is in your episode description. I'm setting a goal that our giving circle can raise $10,000, which is a thousand of you giving 10 bucks. It's not a huge ask. There's a lot more than a thousand people who listen to this podcast and read this newsletter. So even if you've only got $5, $2, or if you want to give a bigger amount, that is great too. We're open to all of it. Again, the link is in the episode description. So check it out and please listen to Melissa. She's going to walk us through why all of this is so important. But first, a quick break. So normally that music means it's time for me to remind you about subscribing to the Burnt Toast newsletter. Of course, that's something I would love for you to do if you've been thinking about doing it. But I'm not going to hit that one too hard this week because I really want us to focus on the Burnt Toast Giving Circle. If you were thinking about spending $5 or $50 on your Burnt Toast subscription, feel free to put it towards the Giving Circle this week. But what I will say is if you want to support the show anyway, please remember that you can subscribe for free in your podcast player and leave us a rating or review or just tell a friend about the show. This is a great one to share so we can get more folks into the giving circle or just keep listening. That works too. Whatever you do, thank you so much for supporting independent anti-diet journalism. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Virginia. This is exciting. So I think we want to start by helping people understand more about why state government matters so much. You know, when I think about the political issues that are keeping me up at night, it's like, what's going to happen when we lose Roe? And why did Build Back Better fail so spectacularly around paid family leave and childcare? And what is happening in Ukraine right now? I think nationally about politics is sort of how I've been trained to think about politics. And I think a lot of us do. And maybe especially those of us in blue states where, where you know, the state issues don't feel as pressing in the, quite the same way. But why is this a mistake? Why does state government matter so much? I mean, state governments have really been overlooked for a very long time. And I will admit that when I started looking into this work, which honestly was in late November 2016, I started to understand that most folks don't really know who their state representatives are. I didn't know when I looked up who my state senator was. I had never heard of him. 
I did not have eyes on the people going to Albany for me. And I started to understand that everything that I was worried about and everything that I cared about in terms of our country was actually being controlled in state legislatures and not in Washington, D.C. So state legislatures really are in charge of everything from environmental policy to education funding to gun safety to health care to civil rights. And of course, the very core of our democracy, voting rights, are decided state by state. State legislatures set voting laws and decide whether to suppress or expand voting. They have the power to gerrymander. They are drawing the district lines that decide who goes to the state legislature and also who goes to Congress, who goes to Washington, D.C. So I started to see that there were all these kitchen table issues being decided in state legislatures, and they were also incredible tools of federal power. And a lot of things started to make sense to me that hadn't before. I started to think about things like my home state of North Carolina, where the bathroom bill passed. Mm -hmm. And I started to understand that, oh, that was lawmakers in Raleigh who did that. Right. And things like the Stand Your Ground gun law in Tallahassee that let Trayvon Martin's murderer go free and then passed in 25 other states. That was lawmakers in Florida. And then in those other states and Flint, Michigan, thinking about it and realizing like, oh, that's a Lansing problem. That's not a Washington, D.C. problem. This is kind of blowing my mind. Why do you think we are so trained to focus on Washington? Why did you have to have this epiphany? Why am I now having this epiphany? Like, why don't we think about states? Well, it's complicated. I mean, there are really 50 mini Congresses in this country, and they're deciding things state by state. And these are local races. Mm -hmm. They do not get national attention. And the truth is that there is someone who's been paying attention to state legislatures, and it's honestly, it's the radical right wing. Right. Um, they've been organizing for state legislative power for a very long time. And from 2010 to 2016, we lost nearly a thousand state legislative seats. And in those states where Republican majorities took over, people's lives got bad. They defunded education. They put in right to work laws. They gutted environmental protections. And when people's lives got bad, they didn't say, oh, that must be my state senator. I'm going to go down to Main Street and talk to them because they have an office there because they do. But most people don't know who their state senators are right. or even maybe that they have one. And so they blame what they could see, what they hear about on the news every day, which is Washington, D.C., often the president, sometimes something about Congress. Mm -hmm. But really, like the roots of Trumpism were being seeded in state legislatures. And this is where the rubber hits the road in terms of policies that affect people's everyday lives. Mm -hmm. But not enough people have eyes on it. It's a body that operates in darkness. Yeah. And it really has been overtaken by special interests. It makes me think a lot about the role of the media here. I mean, you and I both come from journalism and the headlines are always Washington-based. That's where we keep sort of having our attention shifted back to. And local media is so decimated right now. You know, local newspapers are so underfunded, non-existent in so many places. Absolutely. So they're not able to play that really crucial role. And I mean, gosh, how many times as a national magazine editor did you say, like, that story is too local? You know, like, that's not going to be interesting to our national readers. That happened all the time. <laughs> and I think there's not a real explainer happening. Like when people say like, oh, Texas just passed this law limiting abortion. I think people say, well, that Ted Cruz is terrible. And it's like, this law has nothing to do with Ted right. Cruz. This is lawmakers in Austin who are in the state legislature and they only officially have session every two years. <laughs> Something that people don't know about state legislators is that in 40 states, it's a part-time job. It pays very, very little. 
And these are the folks who are going to a state capital and deciding whether to expand Medicaid wow. or deciding whether there's one abortion clinic left in the state or deciding whether there's LGBTQ protections for folks on the job. This is where this stuff is being decided and it's wild that there aren't more eyes on it, but it's not the way we're trained. And just to connect the dots a little further, I mean, for those of us who live in blue states, why should we care about the laws in other states? Well, states are meant to be laboratories for democracy. They're meant to be marriage equality going from state to state to federal or healthcare going from Hawaii to Massachusetts to becoming the ACA. And so they really are meant to be incubators of good policy, ideally. And right now, a lot of states are incubators for voter suppression bills and bans on choice and bans on trans kids playing sports. And those laboratories for democracy should not be allowed to be laboratories for autocracy. And that is something that has happened. We should also care about state legislatures because they are immense tools of federal power. As I said, state legislatures in most states have the power to draw the district lines that decide who goes to Congress. So they are promoting their own party in many cases in the drawing of those lines and making it so that the folks in power at the federal level are coming from the party of their choice. Uh, yes. They also control voting laws. So if you care who wins the presidency, you should care whether votes are limited in certain states or not. And the last thing I'll say is if you care about the Supreme Court, you should care about state legislatures because the Supreme Court does not write laws. They rule on laws, mm -hmm. many of which are written in state legislatures, sometimes explicitly written in state legislatures to rise up and challenge a Supreme Court ruling, like in the case of the Mississippi law that's currently challenging Roe versus Wade. This feels like something we should have been covering in like 10th grade social studies, and we definitely didn't. Of course, some of my listeners are going to be like, why are we talking about state legislatures on a podcast about diet culture? So we're going to connect those dots for everyone right now. Yes, this is a podcast about anti-fat bias and diet culture. And there are a lot of reasons why people don't always realize how political those issues are. You know, we think in terms of body positivity and body image, and we don't think enough about ending weight discrimination. But that is absolutely a legal and social justice issue. And I think a really great example of the potential of state legislature is Massachusetts, which right now, as we're recording this, has a bill pending that would prohibit size discrimination. And that's one of the first places in the country that would be formally legislating against fat phobia. So, yeah, I'm curious if that's at all on your radar or how you think in terms of state legislatures. I guess, as you said, they're incubators. So is this the place where we could be getting this work done? I actually anticipated this a little bit and <laughs> had a look-see to see if there were other states that had addressed this issue. And Although we know that federal law does prohibit like employers from firing employees on the basis of race and color and age, gender, religion, or national origin, mm -hmm. those laws don't provide any protection for weight discrimination, even though obviously there's plenty of evidence that it's a real phenomenon. Right. And that's also true for LGBTQ plus discrimination. Federal law does not protect against that, but certain state laws do. So many states have made progress on that front. But I will say the only state that I found actually that has an explicit law the books that forbids discrimination in employment based on weight is Michigan. So Michigan has a law that passed in 1976. It also wow. forbids discrimination on the basis of age and height. But that is the only state at this point that has that on the books. And I believe Massachusetts would be the second. Well, way to go, Michigan. There was some amazing activism happening in the 70s. And I'm guessing a lot of those folks were in Michigan and got that done. But yeah, so Massachusetts would be the second. And 
I guess the point we want to make here is that if we're focusing on state legislatures, there's real potential here for this issue to get traction in states with your state senator down on Main Street where you can go have a conversation about this as opposed to ever getting this issue in a meaningful way to have traction in Congress. And I will say that looking up who your state reps are, knowing them, and then making them people that you talk to and really engage with and advocate with is a great thing. They will take your call. They will take your meeting. They are not as busy (laughs) as your federal (laughs) reps. And they are interested in having an engaged, or they should be interested Mm -hmm. in having an engaged voting block. And that's definitely important. And you have a lot of influence there. I'll also say that this is definitely a method that's been used by really big movements. After Sandy Hook, when federal gun legislation just didn't move, Mm -hmm. the groups, you know, Moms Demand Action, every town, they focused on state legislatures. And that's why you may have seen the Moms Demand folks out there in their red t-shirts are gathered in state capitals because Mm -hmm. they know the only way to move on this right now is state by state by state by state. And they've been able to pass red flag laws in a lot of states and get things done. So it is definitely a way in. And I would also like to argue that it is a more foundational shift Mm -hmm. than changing federal law in some ways. Because when you shore up something at a state by state by state level, you're really shoring it up. So like we said earlier, a law like the Affordable Care Act, it's like, yes, that is a federal health care law, but 12 states still haven't expanded Medicaid. So you've got these majorities in states that are in charge of implementing federal law. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have that law as part of their state priority, it's just not always a guarantee. So it's really great to shore things up at these foundations. And it just feels like the sort of legal and social justice issues that come up around size, things like parental rights, healthcare access, all of these really are local issues. These are issues where you need to see the change made in your school or in your local child welfare office or, you know, in the doctor's offices in your community. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about what is happening this year in 2022. Talk to us about what states are you most worried about or focused on? You know, where do we have the chance to have some real impact? Absolutely. So, yes, the midterms are coming and there will be so much national media focused on Congress, on the U.S. House, the U.S. Senate. And of course, those are important. But this year, we have so far identified six states where we think we can be most impactful. And those are Arizona, Michigan, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, And then Maine, where we want to protect a blue majority, and Nebraska, where we are trying to defend against a Republican supermajority. And then the first states we mentioned, it's trying to change the balance of power in the legislature. So to flip those. Flip those states. Got it. Yes, absolutely. And so what's interesting about these races is, as I mentioned, they're still local. They're often won on the margins. And we are very, very close in states like Arizona, where it's just one seat in each state chamber would tie the chamber and two seats in each state chamber would flip the chamber. Wow. Michigan, it's the same low numbers. Three seats in each chamber would tie four seats in each chamber would flip. And we're seeing definitely after the moment when new maps have been drawn after the 2020 census, we're seeing in certain states that we have fairer maps in Michigan because of a ballot initiative that instituted the drawing of maps by an independent commission. Wait, I just need to pause there. Like that's new that they're not always drawn by an independent commission. It's true. Just taking a breath with that. I know. They're drawn (laughs) by the legislative majority who, of course, wants to secure their own power. That's not at all screwed up. Okay. Um, Right. Keep going. So, yeah, good job, Michigan. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we're seeing better maps in a couple of states. And these are places where we really see the potential to shift power. And I will say this, it is often cheaper to change the balance of power in a state chamber than mm -hmm. it is to win a single competitive congressional seat. Because congressional races cost millions and millions of dollars mm -hmm. and state legislative races don't. So it is absolutely a place where there is major bang for your buck in terms of trying to affect the outcomes. That is really exciting. And again, also just fascinating how much we are distracted by those congressional campaigns and by, yeah, the whole federal narrative when this is where real work is happening. One kind of moment to define it is that in 2020, we saw Sarah Gideon run against Susan Collins in Maine for the Senate seat. And she finished her campaign with $15 million left over, wow. which was much bigger than the state's project's entire budget in 2020 to wow. work in 12 states on state legislatures. So we know that these big races get a lot of attention and a lot of emotional giving, right? It's like, you're angry at Susan Collins, you're gonna give money to her opponent. You're angry at Mitch McConnell, you're angry at Lindsey Graham. And those races tend to kind of eat up people's emotions and have them just doing that panic giving. Mm -hmm. And that's not strategic political giving. <laughs> it's so, not, it's just what I do at five in the morning when I'm angry. Um, absolutely. You're really absolutely. just <laughs> All of those sounded very familiar. So panic giving, you're saying, is not actually sound political strategy. <laughs> right, right. But it's hard to know where to dig in. And those are the places that are in the spotlight. So that's why I think it's really exciting to do something like a giving circle where folks are coming together and have this strategic focus on the specific districts in a state that it's going to take to change the balance of power. Yes. So, okay. So now let's talk about how this works. What is a giving circle and how is the burnt toast giving circle going to either help flip a state or shore up a majority? Walk us through the process. So giving circles are groups of people who come together to raise resources to try to change the balance of power in a state. So every giving circle starts with one person who just says, okay, I'm raising my hand. I want to start this. I want to do it. And then engaging the other people in their orbit, whether it's neighbors, friends, listeners, readers, and saying to them, will you do this with me? And what it really is, is a math problem. Because again, like I said, these races small dollars are hugely impactful in these races. And when a giving circle comes together and raises $10,000, so that's 100 people giving $100, mm -hmm. you know? And that kind of money can be incredibly impactful in a state legislative race. And that is what we're seeing when we have giving circles come together and we have, you know, 20 giving circles raising that much who choose Michigan and 30 giving circles raising that much who choose Arizona. And some giving circles raise a lot more and some giving circles raise less, but everyone together walks with power. And I think that's some of the most incredible parts of being part of a giving circle. I will say in my giving circle, I know that there are individual donors who give $10 and there are individual donors who give $10,000, but we all come together and walk into a state with a total that makes an impact. And that's what we're trying to do. That is very powerful. So yes, so the burnt toast giving circle, I am the person raising my hand and saying I am doing this. And I want burnt toast listeners and readers to all join in. There are way more than 100 of you. 
like many times that. <laughs> so we have the potential to raise some real money here. And Burnt Toast, the newsletter, is going to match the first thousand that we raise. And then at some point, we are going to pick which state the money's going to, right, Melissa? That's kind of like phase two of this. Yes, absolutely. So there's two bites at the apple here in terms of the storytelling. One is why state legislatures? So for all the reasons that we've talked about today, why are you focusing on state legislatures? People will ask that question. It's not an intuitive choice. (laughs) And so talking about that and learning about that and knowing that is a really great piece of this. And then the second piece is, okay, which state from the state's project's targets do we want to choose? And that's a decision that giving circles often make together through a vote or Mm -hmm. some sort of, sometimes a leadership team comes up with a decision. But either way, it's participatory and it's fun. And then you get to dig into the stories that are coming out of the states that you choose. And you kind of get to see the landscape and the stakes and the opportunity, what the balance of power is, which districts do we need, which candidates are we with? That'll happen Mm -hmm. after the primaries. Mm -hmm. And it really digs in. So at some point, another Giving Circle leader said to me, oh, I get it. We're a Giving Circle. We hit our goal. And then we become a learning circle. And we learn all about this together. Yeah, I want it to be a participatory process. So I'm thinking as... I want everyone who wants to join in to join in today and give money. The link is in the episode description and in the newsletter. But then in like future podcast installments, we will talk about these different states. We will have some sort of poll because I think that's really important. I want everyone to feel like we all are making this decision together and that we all have a stake in this. So that's super exciting. Is there anything I haven't asked about that you think is important for folks to know, to understand about the state's project, about how this giving circle is going to work? Anything else we need to explain to people? So one thing just in terms of practical actions for the giving circle, if someone's finding themselves thinking like, okay, well, I want to donate, but maybe I also want to join in somehow in a deeper way. There's a couple of things. If you feel like moved, like, oh my gosh, we've got to focus on state legislatures and I want to help Burnt Toast get over the top. I would ask that folks think about, can I give some and can I raise $1,000 for the Burnt Toast Giving Circle? Mm, And raising $1,000 for the Burnt Toast Giving Circle means asking 25 people for 40 bucks or asking 40 people for 25 bucks. It's really a math problem. And so kind of de-emotionalizing the money part of it and saying like, I have a mission. I really believe in trying to change the balance of power in state legislatures for all these reasons. And I'm gonna talk to my friends about it. Does two things. Hopefully it raises $1,000 for the circle amazing. It also helps people understand that they should be looking in this direction and think about state legislatures because Mm -hmm. part of our goal is to just get more people reading the news in a different way. So when they read about the Texas abortion ban, they're not cursing Ted Cruz. They're finding out the names of the Texas Republican legislators who passed that bill. And that piece feels important too. And if there's anyone who wants to take it to that level, I can help with that. We'll put some language in the transcript for this episode that you can forward around to your 25 to 40 friends. Obviously, sharing this episode will be a great way to do that, but I'll try to make it real easy with you with some bullet points to help with this. And we're going to get this done. I'm really excited. It's so exciting. And can I say one last thing? Yeah. I just, I think it's really important in this moment when there are so many kind of big doom and gloom articles about the death of democracy and what we're really facing here. And I am glad those articles are being written because they are absolutely true. We are on the precipice. We are on the brink of a really big moment and we need to not get tired in that moment. Yes. But those articles can make you feel like you want to lie down on your couch and pull a blanket over your head. Yes. Let's be honest. Yes. Like, how could you possibly plug in and do anything about what's happening and how could little one person do something? But here's the thing. 
those articles don't light a path to action. They just lay out a big plan by the radical right to steal the presidency in 2024. If you read them carefully, you'll see that they're laying out a plan to steal the presidency in 2024 through state legislatures. And so the answer is, it's one state house seat in Arizona and one state Senate seat. It's three state house seats in Michigan and three state Senate seats. It's 12 state house seats in Pennsylvania on better maps than we've had in a decade. I could go on and on, but there is a path to action here, and it is not as big and scary as federal races. Wow. It is about getting involved at this level and understanding that when you get involved at this level, you are working on the foundations of democracy, the place that is starting to crumble, and the place that we have to shore up. So I'm excited that the Burnt Toast Giving Circle is lighting that path to action, and I hope that more people can come this way. Well, we always like to wrap up the podcast with our Butter for Burnt Toast segment. This is where we give our recommendations. So, Melissa, what would you like to recommend for us this week? So, at the risk of being like a one-trick pony here, <laughs> I will say that the, the book that I'm currently recommending is a book called Laboratories for Autocracy by David Pepper. Okay. He is an amazing former head of the Ohio State Party, and he has really laid out why state legislatures matter so much and what has been going on in them for a very long time. So I'm really loving that book, recommending it. He's doing some amazing organizing around it as well. And I'm also going to recommend a podcast called Politics Girl because... Ooh, I like that. Yeah, she's wonderful. And she really like talks about them in very tangible terms. And she also always just like brings us so much hope. Like her drumbeat is hope and action. And I really, I think we can all use a little bit of that right now. Oh man, we really can. Those are great recommendations. And, you know, I just also want to say my listeners are often much smarter than me, but I have definitely approached this whole conversation with a great deal of awareness of how much learning I have to do about these issues. And I think that is a common experience for a lot of us who have been just doing the panic giving and the raging. And so if you're listening and you're new to this, like we are all learning together. And I really appreciate these recommendations to help with the learning. And I'm excited for Burnt Toast to, you know, for me to be half a lesson ahead of some people and help with continuing the learning. So that's awesome. And my recommendation is going to be totally off topic because they very often are. My recommendation is if you have an injury, you should go to physical therapy and actually do your exercises. Because as loyal listeners know, in the last month, I both threw out my back and sprained my ankle. It was a real good January. <laughs> and I am now going to physical therapy twice a week. And it's like kind of amazing how well it's working. And I think I was very, I was feeling very much like, well, I'm over 40 now and this is my life. And... <laughs> It's, my body just hurts all the time and it is what it is. And it turns out like, and the thing about physical therapy exercises is like, they're super boring and unglamorous. Like, it's not like a workout where you're like, wow, I crushed that. That was an amazing experience. You're like, oh my gosh, I feel like this is a metaphor for state legislatures. <laughs> kind of is. Okay. We're really in sync, even though I didn't intend it. No, it's like this very boring, like I'm going to move my ankle 20 times to the left and then 20 times to the right. But then what do you have? You have a working ankle. I mean, Amazing. And Big the changes. foundation of my body's democracy, as it turns out. Incredible. 
<laughs> so yeah, obviously physical therapy is not accessible to everyone due to all of the problems with our healthcare system. But I just want to say if you're struggling with any kind of injury and not dealing with it, as I did not deal with my back pain for about three years, it turns out actually dealing with these things is a good thing to do. So that's my little, my little tip for the week. <laughs> That sounds wise. Melissa, thank you so much for being here. This was a great conversation, and I am really excited about where we're going to go with this. Tell our listeners how they can learn more about the States Project and your work. Absolutely. So if you go to statesproject.org, you'll be able to read more about what we do, look at our target states, dig in and see the balance of power in each state chamber and go as deep as you want. So we'll be there. Awesome. And again, the link for the Burnt Toast Giving Circle is also in your episode description. So click that right now and make your donation. Thanks so much for listening to Burnt Toast. Once again, if you'd like to support the show, please subscribe for free in your podcast player and tell a friend about this episode. You can also look into a paid subscription at virginiasoulsmith.substack.com. You get a ton of cool perks and you keep this an ad and sponsor-free space. The Burnt Toast podcast is produced and hosted by me, Virginia Soul Smith. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the underscore soulsmith. Our transcripts are edited and formatted by Corinne Fay, who runs at Sell Trade Plus, an Instagram account where you can buy and sell plus-size clothing. The Burnt Toast logo is by Deanna Lowe. Our theme music is by Jeff Bailey and Chris Maxwell. And Tommy Heron is our audio engineer. Thanks for listening and supporting democracy.